What's going on, everybody? This is Jilly from Jilly Talks. Yes, you are hearing my voice again. We are back at it with our podcast, some fresh new content. I've been away. I've been busy. Some things have been going on, and so uh, we haven't been able to produce like we've wanted to, but we have some fresh new content coming for you, and I'm really excited. If this is your first time listening, Jilly Talks is all about you. It's about your story. It's about where you're at, what you've gone through, what you've experienced, the good, the bad, the ugly everything because I believe that your story has the ability to heal, has the ability to encourage, has the ability to motivate not just other people but also you and so we want to give you a chance to share your story so hopefully you can become one of our storytellers here on Jilly Talks. I want to keep in mind as we go into this episode and future episodes uh, that this is not a Christian podcast and I say that because one, I am a Christian. Two, I interview people who are Christians, but I don't just interview Christians and we don't just talk Christian talk. Um, The subject may come up. Some people might reference their faith when it comes to dealing with stuff they've gone through, but I want everybody to have an opportunity to share their story. You can become a storyteller on Jilly Talks. The reason why I know that is because you have a story. If you are living, if you are breathing, you have a story to tell, and I'd love for you to be a part of Jilly Talks at some point, sharing your story, helping other people. That's all for my intro. Let's do this. All right, welcome to Jilly Talks. Uh, I am your host, Jilly, uh, also known as Adam. So excited to have you with us. I want to introduce you to our our guest tonight. Uh, I met our guest uh, a few years ago now. it's been it's been a while. I've known him probably about eleven years, I guess. Um, as I moved uh, with my family to or my wife at the time to Ottawa, and uh, and through church scene, the church life that I was a part of, um, got to know this young man. And uh, even as of late uh, last year, played on our softball team here in Ottawa. And uh, he's recently left the city of Ottawa to um, start. Uh, some some work somewhere else, and I'll let him introduce all of that to you. Uh, so I want to just welcome to our show tonight, to our episode, uh, Scott Hoskins. Scott, how you doing? Hey, doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, so Scott, just let everybody uh, you know know who you are. Fill them in on who Scott Hoskins is, where he's from, where he is now, what he's doing, all that kind of stuff. Cool. All right. So we'll be here for a few years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I'm originally from Ottawa. Um, I grew up in a, a Christian home, but uh, I was actually adopted when I was six months. And uh, so was my brother, and we adopted him when he was young, too. And uh, so I, I grew up in a really good home environment. Um, you know, I have incredible parents. You know, they support me really well. And uh, I, I guess one thing you should know about my dad, he's blind, uh, but he, he does pretty well I would say like when we go golfing or when we go bowling he almost beats me like every time so it's kind of it's kind of funny that way um but yeah so I grew up in Ottawa I grew up going to church uh you know made some great friends over the years um and I've and I mean in the summers I loved going to camp Ottawa Valley Pentecostal camp if you haven't heard of it it's a camp near Cobden Pembroke that area and uh, so I'd go there every summer to go swimming, hang out with friends I usually wouldn't see. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's just what I would do every summer. And, uh, you know, growing up, I loved playing sports. Uh, you know, I still do. 
maybe not quite as good as it used to be, but I'm still, I'm still there. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I have a lot of interests. Like I love traveling. I love uh, trying new things. And, uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really passionate about being in ministry. I got called to it when I was young. And uh, that's what I'm currently doing actually right now. Uh, I was just at Master's College and Seminary for the past four years. I still am finishing some courses. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I am uh, pastoring at Highway Church in Hagersville. It's just 25 minutes away from Brantford and, you know, 30 minutes from Hamilton. So that's kind of what I'm up to. It's fairly new to me. So I'm trying to figure it all out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so far so good. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's just a bit about myself. You know, cool. I don't want to take up too much time, but yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, one, I had no idea that your dad was blind. Uh, that's the first time I, yeah. I hear that piece of information. Um, yeah. second for, for those of you who have no idea, um, some of you who will listen to this, you maybe were a part of this story, but there was one time at camp, the camp that Scott's speaking about, um, I was in charge of some games. Now I, most people from Scott's youth group wouldn't have liked me when I uh, coached and ref games. But anyways, that's besides yeah, the point. Yeah. Uh, but there was this one game that I created one year, and I got it from um, from the old Gladiator TV show. And it was Powerball. And uh, Scotty was trying to put um, these, you know, I guess whatever the ball was, into certain baskets. And he went right for the bonus point right in the middle – and two individuals, Caleb Scheel and Chris Clendenning, um, hit him from opposite sides at the exact <laughs> time. Uh, it, when I tell you that his body went limp in the air, I mean his body <laughs> went limp in the air, and I thought he died for a moment. It's just oh man, you know, that's laughing now. At the time, it no. was you know not good. Um, everything no. okay from that hit? Are you still okay, Scott? Because you were you were out for a moment. Well, it's funny you say that because ever since that moment, it's like I've been cursed with concussions. Um, okay. Yes. Thank you. Like, Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's funny because I remember playing that game and everybody would be tackling each other. And I'm like, man, like this game is so violent and my team is so small. Like I'm going to really have to step up. And sure did I ever. Holy mm -hmm. smokes. Yeah. Well, and I. You stepped up in a way that that involved you laying down. That's really what yeah. happened. So yeah, you should have seen everybody though. So much sympathy, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. hey, the girl, the girls were very sympathetic to you. So oh, that's good. There, there, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Some um, so so awesome. So you're you're now um, youth pastoring, and uh, as I've mentioned before on on this uh, podcast, there are people who I'm going to interview that. Uh, come from a faith background. There are going to be some who have um, no faith background, um, mm -hmm. who are active in the church life. And so uh, from our story tonight, you're going to hear a bit of Scott's story and a little bit about what he's gone through in his life. And you're going to hear from a faith perspective as well. And, uh, and we're also going to give you some opinions that would come um, you know, just as advice, if you're not a person of faith. And so, um, as Scott shares his story and you're listening to our podcast, just keep that in mind that, um, as, as much as we come from different backgrounds, a lot of us go through similar things and similar moments. And, and there are ways that each and every one of us, um, can find the help that we need. Um, so Scott, you said, uh, before you were uh, adopted when you were six months, if I heard correctly. Yep. Um, yeah, you got so it. You're, you're in this family, you're going to church, um, you know, as you're getting older, church life is what you know. Uh, tell me a bit about the, you know, 
just growing up in a, in a church home, in a church life where, you know, the church world was one that you were a part of on a regular basis. Just kind of paint the picture of what that looks like for people. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went to a church in Ottawa, uh, not too far from the one that uh, Pastor Adam would have been at, uh, at Bethel. And uh, I, I, I actually went there my whole life. Went there as a young kid and, you know, may, obviously making lifelong friendships, you know, that, that's what kept me going. And, uh, you know, the, there is, you know, worship and there's always preaching. But the one thing that kept me there were my friends and obviously uh, the pastor at the time. And, uh, like, to me, church was a great thing because it just brought people together uh, in a way that not a lot of things can. And uh, it was it was a safe environment. It was you know it it was one of those environments that you felt like you belonged, and it was one of those environments that you felt like you could grow and you could become your own person and not have to try to be like anybody else. Um, it was just so welcoming. And I know that maybe some churches, you know, n- no church is perfect. I'll put it that way. Um, but this was a church that I I truly like relied on, and I truly. Uh, you know, connected with the people there really well. And so uh, I, I would say my experience at church was really good. Um, I know maybe for some people it hasn't been, but when the church is what it's supposed to be, um, it, it can change your life. And uh, so, yeah. Cool. Now, for those of you listening to this podcast, when you hear Scott say the words, Pastor Adam, um, that would be me. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's referring to, to me. Uh, as, and so if you are listening and you had no idea that I'm from a church background, I am. Um, I was a pastor for eight years at a church here in Ottawa. And uh, one of the, the benefits of being in Ottawa and the church that I was a part of is that we were pretty close to other churches. And so it wasn't uncommon for us to be uh, very connected with the other youth ministries and uh, be around their students and seeing them grow uh, from year to year at camp, but also at other events. And, and uh, so I'm very familiar with uh, Scott's um, church and, and, you know, the different leadership that they have there. Um, so, so Scott, you, you talk about very healthy upbringing, very, um, you know, engaged in your, in your church now more so because of friends that, which for a lot of us, that's the case growing up. It's, you know, we like that we have friends and in, mm-hmm. in any situation, not just a church situation, but in any situation, friends are a big reason as to why we hang out anywhere or do anything. Now, mm-hmm. what for you growing up, um, camp was another area that you were able to develop a lot of relationships. Talk about your, your camp life because camp life is a whole other world compared to, compared to church. So just, just give people an insight as to camp and the relationship that you build at camp. Yeah. Uh, camp is, it, it's very different. I mean, you go to church every Sunday and you know, there's some sort of expectation. Um, and you see a lot of the people, like a lot of the same people, going to camp is, it's very unique. Um, you know, you, you go there every summer, but it's only for two weeks. Right. Um, and unless you went to like kids camp or youth camp where, you know, it was focused on a certain age group. Uh, it was really the only two weeks that I would go. And, uh, I had a cottage up there and I would get to see people that I normally wouldn't get to see until the next summer. So it was literally like we'd only see each other like maybe a couple times a year. Uh, so it was, it was truly special that way. And, uh, you know, you, you just, it's interesting how you can make lifelong friendships at a camp where you only see people 
for maybe two weeks as opposed to people who you, you know, you normally get to see every other week. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's unique that way. Cool. Now, one of the relationships you had or friendships you had at camp and, and I, I, I'm pretty sure now I could be missing a whole other, you know, at your church as well, but I know at camp there was a, a relationship, a friendship that you had that was a big part of your life. Um, mm-hmm. but in your junior high year, um, something happened and, and it kind of altered a bit of the course of your, of your life and your, mm-hmm. your viewpoint on things and, and even on your spiritual foundation. So, so just walk us through what took place at a pretty young age, which is hard for anybody to go through. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So again, the whole thing about camp, like you make these close friendships and I mean, I had made some close friendships growing up back home and even at camp. And it's interesting over time, how you see those friendships kind of dissolve. Uh, you start to get a clear picture of who really is your friend. Um, and to me, I had one friend in particular, and uh, she was the best friend I ever had. No questions asked. Uh, she, we, we actually met when we were younger, uh, when her family first started uh, leading the kids' ministry at the time. And uh, so her, her mom and, his, and her dad, they would, uh, they would run kids ministry and we met at a young age and, uh, after meeting, we just wanted to come back every summer because we just got along so well. And, uh, so that's what we did over the years. We just come back every summer. We get to know each other a bit more. We get to hang out, go to the lake, um, just have all these great memories. And, uh, it, it's crazy how time has flown, fl- you know, it's, it's gone by very quick. And uh, to see where I am now is just, it's incredible. I can tell you a few things about uh, this individual. Uh, she, she was from Belleville, the Belleville area. Uh, so if I can just paint it this way, she, she, she would have lived about three hours away from where I lived. At the time I was 13, she would have been 15. And so to see each other at camp was a huge deal. Like we, we couldn't just, you know, get our keys and go drive and visit each other. It wasn't, it isn't what it is now where I can just go and visit anybody. Um, so it's different that way. Um, what would happen though, is that after the two weeks of camp, what would happen is we'd come back home and we'd have like three hour phone calls. Like, I'm not even joking you. Like my parents had to get a phone plan for both me and my friend Katie. Um, because we just, we just talked for hours and hours and, uh, and we, and we'd have conversations, uh, kind of just like this, like just talking about how our day was, you know, what's going on. And, um, you know, I, I remember those conversations as clear as day. And, uh, you know, we, we had, we, we just had a unique relationship, not like any other I'd really had. I mean, I had close friends, uh, but there were other friends that, you know, were kind of, you just didn't know if you could really rely on them. Hmm. And, uh, so with that being said, uh, at one point I, you know, go to camp as usual. And we found out because she had been playing soccer, she broke in her leg. Um, but they found out she actually was diagnosed with cancer. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was a frightening time. I mean, you're 13, 
15 years old and you know your best friend just got diagnosed with a serious uh diagnosis um and i i always try to pronounce it but i'm not going to try um just for sake of time <laughs> but uh yeah she uh she was diagnosed with cancer and throughout the next summer or two she had to go through all kind of chemo treatments and um you know as those happened the friendship it didn't it wasn't worse it was just different because I wasn't able to phone call her all the time like I normally would uh, with her being in hospital and moving all around and uh, whatnot and uh, you know it's interesting because I I would say I was one of those uh, people that you know people probably wouldn't have considered us you know best friends because of just how far we were from each other Um, you know and uh, so moving on into you know, maybe I think it was the next summer or the two after, um, it, uh, it wasn't looking good. And, um, you know, she had been in a wheelchair, she was still going through treatments and, you know, she started to lose her hair, started to look very different. Um, and I can, I actually remember at one point, uh, we went to visit her at her, I think it was her grandparents' house and, uh, just me and my family, we went. And uh, I remember getting in the front door, I, you know, I greeted her parents and I greeted, you know, her relatives, whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of asked myself, I'm like, where is Katie? Like, she should be here, right? And, uh, you know, I'm looking around the room and she's at the back of the room and I didn't even realize it. I was staring right at her. She did not look anything close to what she did. And uh, she actually was looking very fragile, very thin, um, very sick. And, uh, I kind of, it kind of broke me inside because just of how things had progressed without me actually being able to see, um, through that big period of time. And, uh, but I just remember, you know, having, you know, a time where we sat down, we had cereal and, you know, we watched like SpongeBob and these dumb cartoons she'd always watch. And, uh, it, it was a fond memory, I, and I have a picture of the last time we had seen each other. Of course, uh, she had passed away uh, 11 days before my birthday and a month before hers. So it it was it was quite tough. Um, you know, you try to you try to describe how that feeling was. I, I actually remember walking home that day, um, and I had been talking to a buddy of mine on the phone and I went on Facebook and that's how I found out. Um, she knew a lot of people. Uh, she was close with a lot of people, but to make all those phone calls and to do all that would have taken enormous amounts of time. So they put it on Facebook. I read it. it took me about 10 times before it kind of internalized the fact that it actually had happened. And uh, so it, it was tough. and. You know, I just, there was no really words to describe it. It was, it was heartbreaking. It was, um, it was kind of surreal is what it was. And, uh, and I don't know. Yeah. It just, it's, it's hard to describe sometimes. So, so let me ask you this, Scott, like you're, how old were you when, when she officially passed away? You were you were 13. Yeah. So you're yeah. 13 years old. A best friend of yours has just passed away. 
how do you, I know you say it's hard to, to describe it, but how do you, how do you process that? And where, where do you go to process that kind of emotional, um, basically just a, a tidal wave just hitting you? Like how, how, where do you go and, and how do you process that? Yeah. Uh, so I'll just quickly touch on uh, initially and then jump to now. Um, initially it was very difficult. Um, and you know, pe- people were close with her. I wasn't close with anyone who was close to her just because of the distance, um, you know, between us, you know, geographically. And, uh, so I, I would go to school and, you know, nobody, people found out my situation, didn't really talk to me about it. Mm-hmm. Even friends from church, it was difficult because, uh, I don't even think they knew how to process it or how to help me, uh, walk through it. Um, so I think over the years that was hard because it seemed like a lot of other people had moved on. So I thought in my own mind, well, nobody's really talking about it. If no one's actually seems to be dealing with it, then I guess I shouldn't either. So, you know, so to speak, I put it under the rug and tried to move on. And then several years later, it caught back up to me and I realized that I needed help. Like I need to, I needed to do something. And so my youth professor at Bible college, he actually uh, referred me to a counselor to talk about, you know, what I had been feeling, what I had been going through, uh, where I was in my life. And uh, it just, it just helped me to know that somebody cared at least Mm -hmm. not, not that nobody did. Don't get me wrong. There were people that asked, there were people that did walk alongside me while this was happening, but I think it was just trying to find a safe place to do it. And uh, without feeling like people were going to assume things or say things um, or just not quite understand. Um, so be, being in the situation right now, counseling has done um, crazy things for me. It's, it's given me life. It's given me purpose again. Um, and having gone through depression, it's really brought me to a place where I feel like I can now uh, express what I'm feeling and actually make steps ahead. So. so seeing a counselor is, was it a counselor who, you know, said, Hey Scott, I think you're actually depressed or, um, did you go to a counselor because you felt like you were depressed? Like what led you to the point of, Hey, something's not right. And the label is I'm depressed. Like what, where was, where was that connection made? Yeah, it's, uh, it was it was interesting because you know you go about everyday life and you know you go through the motions the routine and uh there were there were several occasions where uh people even pointed out to me and they said scott like you're like you're not into sports anymore like that doesn't quite make sense you're a sports fanatic you know you love playing soccer you love playing hockey basketball whatever the case was it was almost as if anything I was interested in or wanted to do or dreams that I had just kind of went to the wayside. It wasn't something that I wanted to pursue or uh, do. Uh, I'd find myself many times just sitting in my room doing nothing, playing video. Like it was literally um, just me isolating myself because to me, I didn't want to feel the same feeling that I had before with Katie, where it was like I was so close with her that, you know, to feel that pain again of losing someone, I don't want that. 
So instead of actually going out and interacting with people and putting myself out there, I'm just going to isolate myself and it actually made it worse. Um, so if that kind of helps yeah, describe no, that depression. Sure. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so let me ask this question. Now this one is, is somewhat of a tougher one, especially um, for people who are maybe don't have a church background or some who do and are questioning things. The reality is this, when it comes to our faith that we have, and that is we believe that, that God has the ability to heal, that God has mm-hmm. the ability to make someone who's sick not sick anymore. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so you're young, and you're taught this from a young age, and, and we, we understand the whole we walk by faith type thing. But what does this type of situation do to you a person who believes that God can heal, but in this case, didn't. Yeah. What does that do to you? Oh, man, it really rattled my faith. I mean, I, I can remember times where my faith was challenged, but nothing like this. This was, you know, I had, I had actually grown up. I saw people get healed. I've seen a, a lady out of a wheelchair that, you know, she wasn't able to walk, and now she's running around like it's, like I saw those things at a young age, um, but for it to happen to, to someone I knew, um, it, it rattled my faith. It, it was one of those, it's one of those things where you think, God, like you're capable of healing. Why didn't you? Like it's, it's very simple and it doesn't, it doesn't make sense because you assume that God wants the best. God loves you, wants to heal you. And, um, it just, it really changed the way I thought about God. And I think it was in a sense, it, it challenged it. It was for the better, but in the moment it, it wasn't good because then I had a perception of God that, you know, he only healed certain people or that maybe he just didn't understand, um, that he was withholding power or whatever the case may be, um, that, or maybe God wasn't real at all. Um, and it really, it really makes you question a lot of what you believe in and how does healing work and, um, what's the process of healing? Uh, sometimes it happens over time. Sometimes it can happen immediately. Um, but in this case, I didn't see healing anywhere. Um, and I knew growing up that like when you die, you can go to heaven if you believe that Jesus is your savior. Um, but for me, that wasn't good enough because I wanted her here now. Um, so it, it definitely did something. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a follow-up question for that, but I, I'll just say this, especially for those of you who, um, you know, faith is again, a mystery. It's something that you're not into. Um, but I heard someone explain it a little while ago that I, I, I've always believed, but the explanation was never there for people. And, and that is when God promises healing, um, mm-hmm. He promises healing to all of us that on the other side of eternity, there is healing for every single person. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes that healing happens on this side of eternity. Um, it doesn't always happen, but healing is still promised and, and it is waiting for every single one of us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, like I said, it happens on this side and, you know, the hardest thing for us as individuals on this side of eternity is when, things don't go according to how we would have planned them. And uh, it's difficult, but, but for you, it it rocked your faith. It rocked what you believed and the things that you have known about God. 
what was the, is there a moment where you say to yourself or you come to the realization that I was hurt and I didn't understand, but now I'm better. What, what makes that, you know, that personal relationship with God that you have healthy again, even though Katie's still not around? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, it's interesting because my, the way that I've been coping and the way that I've been, uh, healing has it, and it's different for everybody. Um, but I would say for myself, um, it's been over a period of time. Uh, it's been, uh, the combination of people speaking, uh, life into me, uh, words of encouragement, um, things, uh, to further my faith, challenge my faith. Um, and to be honest, it's also been the people that I've surrounded myself with. Um, you know, I used to have so on so called friends, uh, but they never really pushed me the person that I wanted to be. Um, and to, to have someone walk with you through something like that speaks volumes about who they are and mm-hmm. what, who they believe you, um, how much they believe in you. Right. So, um, the amount of times I remember, you know, being in the service and, you know, uh, I, I just remember sermons that would speak straight to my heart, you know, about, you know, sometimes we don't see the whole picture, but God does. Um, and you know, God's our healer. And, but as you said, right on the other side of eternity, there's still hope. And the only thing that I, that I could come to a realization was that I can try to put my hope in all kinds of things. I can put it in money. I can put it in women. I can put it in porn. I can put it in a lot of things, but at the end of the day, that's not going to fill the void. And so I just, I just remember, you know, crying with my roommate one time. I literally had just finished playing some sports and I'd gone in my room. I was bawling like a baby. And, uh, that was the moment that I felt God was closest. Um, because it really, it really showed me that even though I was going through my pain, uh, you know, my roommate being there still showed that someone had cared. And, uh, it was just, it was just amazing to see how through different people and through different experiences and through different walks of life, uh, led me to this place where I felt that God hadn't abandoned me anymore. And that, you know, as I read my Bible, as I was in prayer, that I learned things that I necessarily skipped over pretty quickly, but now I know that to be true for my own life. Cool. A couple, yeah. couple more things before, before uh, I, I let you go this evening, but um, I know for us, I've said this before on other podcast episodes that, you know, there's an understanding that um, we find comfort and we find peace in our relationship with God. Um, mm-hmm. But, but let's for a moment, I'm not being unchristian for anybody who's going to say, Oh, there he is putting God aside. No, not what I'm doing. I'm just asking a question here. Um, but what, what would you say to the person who has no faith or doesn't share the same faith as you and what we believe? Um, what would you say to them? Um, if they are going through something similar and are, are needing, you know, that help there, maybe they're facing that depression, like you face or the loss of a loved one. What, what are the things that they should put into place to be able to walk through that journey? Well, I would say, first of all, surround yourself with people. Uh, and I'm, 
and I know that sounds kind of very practical and very easy. Um, for some people, it's not. Uh, for some people, just to have people surround them is hard enough. Uh, but I would say surround yourself with uh, people that are going to push you, uh, people that are going to be there for you, um, that are going to mourn with you, that are going to, you know, celebrate with you the things, you know, in your own life. And uh, I mean, that, that was the one thing I found out was I can't do it alone, uh, regardless of faith, regardless of what I believe. Um, there's no way I could have gotten to this point if I hadn't surrounded myself with people um, that spoke encouragement in my life, uh, spoke um, were just just different things that I could resonate with and um, really push myself to go further um, than where I was at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's a huge thing uh, when you when you can come out of that shell and actually be vulnerable and show that you're willing to get help. Um, it, it honestly, it can change your life. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, it's not easy doing it alone and we weren't meant to do it alone. Uh, that's why we have people around us and we gotta, we gotta, you know, put it out there for people that we trust. Mm-hmm. Now, just to follow up on that, would you like, what would you say or how important would you say is it for someone to open up, not just surround yourself with friends? Cause sometimes yeah. we surround ourselves with friends as a distraction for what's really going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. How important is it for us to have a, not just a friend to hang out with, but someone that we can actually share things with and open up. How, how important is opening up to somebody? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and, and as I said before, I mean, I, I, I now look back at all the friend the friends that I did have, uh, growing up in school. And it's, it's interesting because you, you, you grow up, you know, you have all these memories, but, um, some, some, some friendships you just know are surface level. Like, um, you know, nobody ever talks about what you're going through. Nobody ever talks about, you know, the, the good things that are happening in your life. So I think it's really important that when you're surrounding yourself with people, don't do it for the sake of right distraction or whatever the case is, but surround yourself with people that, um, you know, you can trust because if you, you to open up to somebody that you don't trust or that you think you should trust. And then, you know, right. It's, it's, you gotta, you gotta be very careful who you open up to. And so, um, to surround yourself with friends that you trust, um, to surround yourself with people, as I said, that are going to push you and, um, be there for you is super, super important. And also who have a good influence in your life and are uh, looking to make you do better. Awesome. Um, one, one final question. This is a question that I ask every one of our guests and, uh, and I always love to hear the answer that, that comes out of our guests. But, um, if you could tell high school, Scott, um, mm-hmm. one thing about life, um, what would that be? Yeah. Um, it's been, it's been a common theme and I feel like I'm a, like on repeat so to speak. Um, but don't, don't settle. Um, you know, it took me, it took me a while to realize in high school, just how much I needed, uh, people around me, not, as I said, 
people that you can trust, people that, you know, have truly care about you and truly care about your dreams and whatnot. Um, but to, to really, to really go, you know, after the things that, um, know will better you. Um, there were so many times where I, you know, I would go into different things that I just knew were not helping my situation. And I do it just simply because I didn't want to have to deal with emotions that I was feeling or, uh, what I was going through. Um, so I think, I think the point that you made, like, don't, don't look to distract yourself. We live in such a society where everything's about escaping, uh, you know, movies, music, just everything. It's, it's all about escaping, um, instead of actually dealing with it. And so if I could encourage a high school student, like, you know, do the, do the things that are going to benefit you. Um, mm -hmm. don't, uh, you know, it's, it's important to surround yourself with people, uh, that, you know, can better you and all that. But, cool. um, awesome. I don't know if I really have a one punchline statement. It's, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been quite a journey. So I'm still, I'm still figuring stuff out too. So. Awesome. Well, I, I, I appreciate it, Scott. And I, I, like I said, I, I've known you for, for a few years now and from mm -hmm. a distance, I've been able to, to watch you grow and mature and, and to see where you are and even getting to hang out with you last summer playing, playing softball and uh, just having a couple conversations here and there and um, really proud of, proud of you and, and proud of the things that you've accomplished. And you've had some pretty awesome um, role models and some pretty awesome people um, to, to speak life to you. I've seen some of them and, and, uh, I'm so excited for the future that you have and the journey isn't always easy. Um, but when, when staying true to the journey and staying true to who you are, um, the journey's so worth it. And so again, just, just proud of you and, and where you're at. And, uh, just, I, I want to thank you so much for just being a part of Jilly Talks and, and uh, just sharing a bit of uh, your story. And I, I believe it's going to help somebody because I know that there are people who are going through, who have gone through um, the exact same thing you've gone through. And so just thanks so much for, for being a part of our show. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. Appreciate awesome. you having me. Thanks so much, Scott. Well, that is uh, our episode of Jilly Talks. Remember, um, your story has power. Your story um, has the ability to heal. And so um, I encourage you, if not on this podcast, tell somebody your story. Open up about who you are. Um, let somebody in, even if it's a successful one. I know some of the podcasts that we hear people say, you know, uh, it's just people who've gone through tough times, but, but even the positive stories, they are needed to be told because people can learn from them and benefit from them. And so um, your story matters. And so I'd encourage you to share it. And uh, thanks so much for, for tuning in to, to this podcast. If you have any questions, uh, anything that you want to talk about, just you can find me on social media at um, G-I-L-L-Y-A-D-A-M. That's pretty much my handle on all my social media accounts. Uh, you can find me on there and, uh, and follow along my journey. Um, I say all the time that uh, I'm just I'm chasing dreams and telling stories. And so I'd love to hear yours. Until next time.